Sorry, my friend. He's a bad cop. I'm a good cop. Okay. You can trust me. I won't be on the show. I'm gonna be on the show. I'm gonna be the star of the show. You started off as the bad cop, but now you're the good one. Hope this movie doesn't suck ass. It will. <laughs> now you're the good cop. Oh my god. The moral is you're a total bitch. How are you holding up? Because I'm a potato. It certainly does suck. Isn't there supposed to be a good cop? Hope you boys brought popcorn. Cause I'm about to put on a show. Welcome to Good Pop, Bad Pop with MNT. If the sound quality is shit, just pretend it's ASMR. Mm. Mm. It's a here. Hey gang, what's going on? T, what's uh, what's the happy haps? Hey M, um, good. Not much happening. Got some new reviews today. Well, um, yeah, I'm good. What are we what are we reviewing? Well, we are going to be doing a full review of uh, BBC's Fleabag, Amazon Prime's The Boys, and then we'll be jumping into our flicks for this evening, or this morning, or this afternoon, with uh, John Wick 3, Cerebellum. (laughs) Is that not it? That is not it. Uh, um, John Wick 3. John Wick 3, Perennium. Um, (laughs) Would watch. (laughs) Would not watch. After what I've seen him do. Uh, then we will also be reviewing um, Alex Strangelove. Uh, but first, we're going to dive into some news. We've got a few news items this week. Some news reviews and coming soon. Mm-hmm. Do we have any coming soons? Do we have trailers? Well, uh, we have one trailer. Oh. oh, sweet. There you go. <laughs> that was the one you just mentioned yeah. a minute ago. Anyway, go on. Okay. Keep me with some news. I've been, <laughs> I've been media blackout. Work has kept me away from my news, and I don't know what I'm excited about. Indeed. Tell me. Okay. Well, um, for starters, we have a new season of Thirteen Reasons Why. No, I don't really care about that. Um, now, look, I'm going to tell you why this is important and terrible. Um, first of all, this show is uh, awful, and I still don't know that I can fully recommend anyone actually watch it. Um, but they've really sucked me back in with the trailer. So, like, it's kind of a pretty big villain, um, especially in the first season, um, who's really not cool. And, um, according to the trailer, he's dead. And so it's really kind of sucking me back in, but it's all very confusing. Like, what is this show even about anymore? So now it's all like, who killed this person? And I'm like, so is this how to get away with murder? Like, is this uh, was what I was going to say? Premises with the show. So uh, it's apparently the final season. Thank God. So I never watched it, but the first season was about a girl who committed suicide, correct? Yes. And there, they got some criticism for how they handled uh, that. Yes. Uh, yes. Yes, just because yes. they portrayed it too vividly, or they showed her actually trying to do the thing. Right. Not cool. And I know there was something about a broom, which is why the second season was bad. Well, that's why I didn't like the second season, I guess. Uh, and, and this is what I mean. Like, they show these things. Uh, look, this is a well-trodden grab. But they show these things that just don't add anything to the show. They're just trying to do shock factor, and it's just repulsive and downright offensive, to be honest. Was there 13 reasons? Like, literal reasons? Yeah, well, that's In the what's, first season? Yeah, because it's, there's 13 tapes, right? And each tape goes to a person. They're, like, the reason... I mean, that's kind of vindictive, like, you, for whatever reason, you've decided to kill yourself and then to leave letters to all the people and be like, you suck, it's your fault. Well, this is the whole problematic thing with it, is that it's a very, like, romanticised vision of suicide, which I've talked about when I did that review, so I won't rehash that too much. Um, so, look, another season. Um, am I glad that this bad character is dead? Yes. They're an asshole. 
they deserve it. Do I think this is going to warrant another season? Uh, Look, honestly, this trailer's really sucked me back in and I'm going to have to watch it. I really don't want to. I hate this to. and I want it. I'm, I'm going to watch it. Yeah, yeah. That's exactly... <laughs> well, you're in West Enemy. They keep renewing this shit because you keep watching it, Em. They've got your analytics. Well, they've just pulled me back in with this. I'm just like, well, now I do want to know who killed him. <laughs> because he deserved it so much. Can I tempt you with a, a synopsis read? No. No, I'll have to watch it. And I swear to gods, if they put in another, like, unnecessary violent abuse thing, like, I'll just be so mad. But that's what the show's about now. Well, it shouldn't be, because I think I think they, they tried to sort of do something shocking to, you know, give someone motivation, which, like, putting a character or a person through abuse as a form of character development is really dumb. It's really fucking lazy, to be honest. Um, <laughs> but on what you said earlier, how you were getting how to get away with murder vibes, um, mm-hmm. that's a show we made the decision to stop watching. The first season was exceptional. To be fair, you decided to stop watching it. <laughs> you can watch it. I will gladly keep watching that. The first season was exceptional. And then every season after that, and, you know, season one, how to get away with murder. They got away with the murder. In the second season, they just had a new murder and the same thing happened again. How many people are these yeah. kids going to kill? <laughs> I mean, it's up to season five and six. I'm like, you're not lawyers anymore. You're just sociopaths. Why aren't you in jail? <laughs> Why aren't you in jail? No lawyer's that good. Anyway, I or digress. are they? Anyway, so, um, so that's a bit of a news point that we have there. Um, the other thing which I'm very excited about, and I can't remember if I mentioned this previously in another episode, but Big Mouth has been confirmed that it has been renewed for Ooh. three more seasons. Ooh, a bit more Mulaney and Kroll and Zooks in your life. So fucking excited. So fucking excited. That's <laughs> good. Like, um, that show was, has been crushing it for two seasons. And yeah. Emmy nominated. Yes. Um, yeah, I'm excited about that. Yeah, yeah, I'm fully stoked. Especially because it's just straight about three more seasons. I'm like, hell yes. What a man, look. Ah, oh, yeah, I've got nothing in me. <laughs> I'm like, can, can I do something? It's going to require some more practice, I think. Um, so that's very exciting news. Now, in bad upcoming news, <laughs> well, I'm, I'm doing like a like a an anti compliment sandwich of news here. I'm like, bad news, good news, bad, like really bad news. <laughs> so there's a new Wayans movie. Oh, I saw this <laughs> coming on Netflix, and I don't know why it has our attention. It's not the type of thing we watch, but it well, has our attention. <laughs> look, it's one way to get people to notice you. Um, so it's it's a new Marlon Wayans movie, and I, I watched this trailer. And I thought I had stumbled into some kind of time warp because this looked like something that came out in 1998. I'm like, I don't think you can do any of this on on, on TV anymore. And I, I don't think it's funny anymore. Was it even funny then? I don't know. So it's called Sextuplets. Yep. Yep. Um, uh, yep. So, um, it stars Marlon Wayans, Marlon Wayans, Marlon Wayans, Marlon Wayans. So he's nutty professoring. Marlon Wayans. Yes, he is. He's Jack and Jilling. Um, and then some. So, look, it's not looking good. (laughs) It's not looking good. Um, yeah, it's a very, like, Eddie Murphy, Tyler Perry type thing. Like, he's playing a lot of, uh, other women of colour in fat suits. And I'm like, dude, I just... 
mm, I just don't think this is cool anymore. You know what? <laughs> if we, it we ever watched, was. Because he has a Netflix contract, so he's been chatting out a few. We watched his last one, if you recall. It was yeah. called Naked. We did watch Naked. Which was um, Groundhog Day. Yeah, and I didn't hate that. Like, it was all right. So I don't know why he's chosen to go super backwards. Well, he's, he's, got, oh, he's, not, um, he's got, a, not got original content, so he's just stealing the best comedies from other eras, and someone misinformed him on... <laughs> Nutty yeah. Professor being well received, or Norbert being well received. Yeah, look, it's it's definitely Eddie, an artistic choice, and I, and I can't say it's one I agree. <laughs> There's um, and I love that this is a Wayans like they just. That whole family. Um, Who else but, I mean. Yeah, so there's, like, I imagine this, like, cult-like ceremony and all the Wayans gather. And, like, welcome to the family, son. <laughs> you will make black comedy digestible for white people. And you will make lots of money. <laughs> and then they, like, knight them. And they go into the world and make all these awful movies. It's, um... <laughs> but you know what? I'm going to have to watch it. I'm just going to have to. Because it's going to be so awful... And I look forward to ripping on it as a as a nineties rip off show. Like, I mean, no no one watches um, Norbert and Nutty Professor and goes, you know what kind of movie needs a reboot? <laughs> nobody, nobody has ever said that. And, uh, yeah, I'm not a fan of the person playing a bunch of characters thing. Oh, because well, you, you can't, well, you hold, can't hold up because you just play caricatured versions of whatever you're doing, and it either becomes. What does it become? It becomes sexist and racist and over the top in whatever direction oh, for you're sure. trying Especially to. Especially now, like you yeah. just you just can't do that sort of thing anymore. I don't know why Netflix gave this movie the green light, um, but I will say the only person who can do that and get away with it is Dana Carvey and Old Arnold uh, Hill. <laughs> that is fine. What was Dana Carvey's movie? Oh, Master. But that movie was bad though, wasn't it? The movie it? wasn't great. But I'm just saying, if someone needs to be, a- oh well, hang on. What about Austin Powers? Yeah. Partial credit. Mm, so that's, that's a good point. Fine. So that's fine. It's. I think the the saturation is three. You can't play more than three characters. Ah, uh, but Jack and Jill, two. Well, I guess <laughs> true. So Austin Powers, each character was well rounded, mm. and was its own character. Whereas in these other ones, everyone's dialed up to eleven. Anyway, I'm probably not going to watch it. I'm but gonna I, have I love, to. I love to keep tracks of the Wayans career. I'm a big fan of. Um, is it Damon Wayans? Yeah. He was in New Girl and... Um, yeah, he's great. Happy Endings. We saw him in Somebody Married Barry the other day. Yeah, that's right. Did we review that? And his dad, Major Payne, he, he rocks up into all his movies as his dad. Like, it's his real-life dad, and I, I love that. It's so great. <laughs> I was but, a big Major Payne fan when I was a kid. Like, what a what a good-looking fam, though. Like, you, you can't tell that that's his dad. <laughs> they could be brothers. I his, thought they um, were for so long. I'm like, is that his dad? <laughs> his brother? I don't know. He's a uh, timeless... Definitely, definitely. Mm. Um, so there's that. Um, now, a bit of news that kind of pissed me off, um, and you, I'm sure, is there was a, an article made in support of a tweet, um, which is which is bad. Um, so there was this, this tweet by some, like, angsty mum who was slut-shaming millennial women at Disneyland, being like, you made my kid cry because you went and bought a churro. It was really weird. And then an article... Wait, what? So what's, what happened? Well, that's was... exactly right. what happened. All right. Just... And she was just like, this young millennial slut in tiny shorts got a cheer and made my son cry. I'm like, I'm pretty sure that's not what happened, lady. Um, so why would the son cry? I don't know. I wasn't there. <laughs> I cannot give you information. Uh, but anyway, some article came out on um, 
New York Post or something supporting this woman being like, yeah, millennials who don't have kids who go to Disneyland are weird. And the entire Twitter sphere was like, hold up. What? Um, because Disneyland is fucking awesome and it is way much better without kids. And when we went, it was mostly people without kids. And we're like, hell yeah, no one wants kids running around ruining the fun for everyone. What kind of kids even going to remember going to Disneyland if they're like sub five? So, so really. the, the drive of the article was that if you only go to Disneyland if you have kids. Yeah, like, fuck me for going and having fun. How dare I? That's ridiculous. We grow <laughs> up watching Disney um, Disney movies. Like, Disney's the happiest place on Earth. It's in the Super Bowls all the way through the 90s. The MVP. I'm going to Disneyland. Everyone, you're trained. Go to Disneyland. It's amazing. Once you... We don't live near there, obviously. Go visit the mecca that is Disneyland. <laughs> you don't live there. It takes a bit of travel and a bit of money. And then for some Karen out there to go... <laughs> it's weird. Why are you here? Screw you. Like, yeah. That's just someone who's had a shitty day with kids at Disneyland. Yeah, I, I had a grand have time. a shitty day? Yeah, the ones who didn't, who didn't have kids. <laughs> kids at home. I mean, <laughs> fucking awesome time. As great as Disneyland is, you're spending half that day standing around in lines. I'm not doing that with small children. Jesus, yeah, shoot me in the worse. face. Like, oh, yeah. And oh also, my God. If it was only for kids, why is Disneyland open until midnight? What kind of irresponsible parent are you, Karen, taking your damn kids off to Disneyland at 11 p.m. at night time? Also, they serve alcohol there, so, yeah. you know. <laughs> you can buy beer standing in line. It was I was there recently just by myself, and they'd open up the Avatar Land. Avatar Land? Avatar World? Pandora. <laughs> in, um, That's the one. Animal Kingdom and the new rides there and the line three hours. But you could just buy beer every, like, 100 feet and <laughs> just keep you going. Yeah, see? I mean, blah. Anyway, so... Um, that's that someone was... who's had a rubbish day with kids at Disneyland and decided to channel it and blame millennials. Yeah. And saw someone kids. having fun and decided to piss on it. Yeah, pretty much. So um, that was a really fun day on Twitter, just seeing everyone be so mad. And there was all these, like, old bits of advertising being pulled up and posted from, like, the 50s or something, being like, adults, come have a date night at Disneyland. Like, see? <laughs> it's so grown-ups. And it's only going to get even worse. So kids now... Growing up with all the Disney-owned IPs, um, Star Wars, Star Wars, Marvel, whatever, they're going to grow up and they're going to go to Disneyland. And I don't know who the Karens are in twenty years. Maybe Susie will make a comeback. I don't know, but like (laughs) they'll be like, "Why are you here, fucking kids?" I hate everyone. So, what did you read the New York? Oh no, I wasn't going to give it Uh, the click. Hell no, I wasn't going to give it. Well, we've just fed into it. They've. They've outrage baited us and it's worked. Well, I just saw Disneyland I, I, trending on Twitter and I was like, ooh, Disneyland, and then I got mad. I'd like to see their compelling argument. I'm sure it's not very compelling. <laughs> We've been outrage bait. I apologize, listeners, we should be better than this. <laughs> what else we got? Um, so that's all in terms of general news, but what have you been up to lately? What are you playing? What are you watching? What have you been um, doing? So, stop me if you've heard this before. Um... So we've talked about they're making a Witcher TV show, which is all very quite exciting. Stop. Yeah, go on. <laughs> and because um, I sort of joke that I'm a big Witcher fan, people are like, oh, yeah, did you like the books? I'm like, I- I've actually not read the books. So I'm like, oh, I've not, I've, not, um, I've not got my fan stripes for this. So I've immersed myself in Witcher. I'm still doing my playthrough. Lovely. Um, so I've been reading the books, though, and they're translated from Swedish or Polish, I should say. And... Um, they're pretty good. They're really high on the melodrama. It's really dramatic. Like, mm-hmm. I just read... I'm reading the collections of short stories, which are all over the place and really good. And it's basically... 
Geralt the Witcher and his girlfriend, the sorceress Yennefer. Girlfriend's kind of a, <laughs> an overly simplistic of their complex relationship. But basically, they can't be together for one reason, and everyone's all su- like, everyone's all suicidal about it. It's also dramatic. Crazy. <laughs> yeah, it's really interesting. But um, I'm enjoying that. Um, other than that, we mentioned a bunch of reboots we heard about last episode, mm. and we thought we should revisit some of them. So the other day, we sat down and watched Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back from yeah. 2002, something like that. From 2002, just to sort of get a feel for what a new Jay and Silent Bob movie. Now, if you recall this movie, what was the premise? So they're making the Blunt <laughs> Man and Chronic premise? movie and they're not involved and they need their money, so they need to go ruin it because everyone's talking shit about them online and they want to go cause a ruckus adventures and hijinks um, ensue. ensue. Um, I didn't hate it as much as I did the first yeah. time. Yeah, I agree. I remember I watched it when it came out and I was like, eh, this is not my favourite of these. Dare I say the worst. Yeah, so I, I didn't like it in O2. I thought this is a bit silly compared to the rest of the viewer skewverse. Mm. But I'm starting to think maybe it was just because I'm 14 and this is deep and I thought I was <laughs> bigger than I was and I couldn't handle a goofball comedy. Watching it now, a I lot of it was actually quite awesome. A lot of the tongue-in-cheek stuff probably went over our head at the time, maybe. I think. And so we are like, this is dumb. Um, but what was most surprising to me about the rewatch of this movie is that the references that they chose to put in there based on the time it came out, which were modern references at the time, really held up well. Uh, not the gay jokes, but uh, <laughs> definitely not those. Had a lot of gay jokes. <laughs> yeah. Um, but that was also very self-referential. Like, they knew that they were making a lot of gay jokes even in 2002. Like, mm. they made that joke about that. Um, but it was very interesting because, you know, they had James Vanderbeek in it and they had Jason Biggs in it. And just referencing all this stuff um, that was, you know, popular then, but now looking back... I didn't really, know what it was. Well, yeah, but, like, they're, they're really, like, iconic things from that time. And so they did a good job of being like, this will hold up. Well, they probably didn't think of that at the time. But, uh, but yeah, it held up very well in that regard. For me... It was the concept of they're making a Jane Silent Bob Blunt Man and Chronic movie and everyone on the internet is just talking shit about them and they're like, This will not stand. We can't have people talking shit about us on the internet and it was such a simplistic view of the internet, but it was bang on. Oh yeah. And they finished the movie while flying to all these posters and just beating up these little kids who were talking shit on the internet. And I'm like, That's such it's it's such the correct answer. (laughs) And uh, you know, if I knew where Please our don't haters, leave us bad reviews. yeah, if I knew where you know Cozy Man Thirty Two lived <laughs> and could afford it, I would go have words with him. Um, but it was just such a simplistic take on the internet, and it was so funny. And the other, what was the other thing? And the whole concept of oh, they're, they're making this, and I'm like, I hate that they're making this. We must stop them for integrity reasons and stuff. And you know, in this era of reboots and rehashes mm. and sequels, just the concept of uh, the inspiration or the original artist or the original writer just going, screw this, I'm going to Hollywood and going to blow up a building or just, <laughs> I will stop this from happening for art and stuff. And I don't know. I also liked Ben Affleck playing every single character Ben Affleck has played in the viewer skewverse. Yeah, that was pretty great. I also finally playing that. himself. As uh, Ben Affleck filming yes. Goodwill Hunting 2 <laughs> hunting season. Would watch, by the way. <laughs> and when yeah. are we getting that movie, Kevin? <laughs> so while, you know, Jay's kind of dated 
And he was aware of that. There was a lot of jokes about that, but just the movie built around them actually wasn't too bad. Yeah. Oh, on that, um, and we watched the trailer for it, and of course I can't remember what it's called. Um, they've made a new movie which comes out soon, in August. Um, oh, I remember, what was it about? Watch the trailer. I don't remember things. I forget things as soon as I Quickly, say Google them. it while I um, fill. <laughs> well, no, I'm talking. You're meant to be Googling. Welcome oh. to the behind the scenes of how this show works. What's the guy's name? Jason Muse. Yeah. Um, and I believe it's like, oh, yeah, that's what it is. So Jason Muse, it's, it's very um, meta in that he keeps trying to go for acting jobs, but everyone keeps trying to be like, oh, you're the guy who smokes weed. You can be the stoner character. And it's really pissed off, and he wants to learn about method acting. Is it called method? I bet it's called method. No, it doesn't sound familiar. Oh, okay. Um, anyway, and he gets this, like, weird spooky book, and I don't quite understand what happens. Um, but that looks really interesting too madness in the method madness in the method oh see i was on the right track um so that comes out soon and i will be keeping an eye on that it's probably gonna be shit but i'm kind of intrigued i love a good meta movie so um be looking out but is it semi-autobiographical yeah yeah you know jason muse is famous for being jay yeah how do you take him in any other role (laughs) well yeah and let's look at his acting credits close to close to jay silent bob dogma madness in the method he was in Zed Nation. I don't know what that is. Yeah. Anyway. Oh, he's got 99 acting credits. Yeah, it was very busy. All right. I'm not going to. <laughs> um, so, yeah, that that's going to be an interesting film as well. So, yeah, Jay and Silent Bob OG surprisingly held up despite, I mean, you know, you've got to be aware that it's uh, an old movie. <laughs> yeah. All right. Anything else we got in what we're up to not particularly i mean i did just finish watching um season two of working mums which just came out on netflix now i really like this show it shows a good look into motherhood from a bit more of a realistic perspective and trying to juggle stuff um with people going through some real shit um what was really big this season is they delved into a character who'd previously been married before which we didn't know in first season so you learn a bit more about her backstory and that sort of intertwines with the current day. And there's two plot lines which get kind of dark in it, um, which was surprising to me for a show that was like fairly comedy forward dra- drama. Um, so, yeah, it got a little heavy afterwards. I was like, ooh, I'm going to watch something a little light. Um, and I've, of course, been watching me some Queer Eye, the last season that's just come out in the last few weeks. Um, but I'm really drip feeding that because it's a real emotional trove of treats. <laughs> so I've got to, I'm just playing like one to two episodes at a time and just enjoying the meal. It's fabulous. Also, um, Jonathan Van Ness is coming to Melbourne and Sydney in February next year. Um, are you going? Please let us know. Good pop underscore bad pop. I will be there. T will not be there. Uh, I look forward to being extremely glam. Probably going to wear some drag makeup. It's going to be a good time. Can't wait. Um, Road to Beijing, I think that's called. Um, so that's that's all the news that we have for the moment. Mm-hmm. After the break, we will dive into our TV shows. Uh, what's first? Let's do Fleabag first. Oh, right. M, what's Fleabag? Fleabag. So Fleabag is a, uh, how do you even describe this program? So it's a BBC show. So it's like six English. Yeah. So English show. Um, it is um, created, written and starring in <laughs> um, by Phoebe Waller-Bridge. 
Um, and it's an adaptation of a play by the same name. And this show, uh, before I even get into how amazing it is, um, it's pretty much like a fourth wall breaking narration show of a woman going through a hard time and she's kind of shitty and trying to sort her shit out um, and all that kind of thing. In so, London. In London, yes. Um, now, this has just gotten nominated for 11 no- Emmys. 11. That's a lot, man. Um, to give you some further context, it is a 8.6 on IMDb, 100% on Rotten Tomatoes, and 92 on Metacritic. Now, it's short and punchy. It's British, so six episodes per season. We have watched both current seasons. Yes. Um, yeah. What's the What's the girl's name? She doesn't have a name. Fleabag. And that's what's so interesting about this show. I didn't even notice. Is that so few characters have names. Have names. The only character that has a name is Claire, her sister. Huh. And um, Boo, her friend. And the guinea pig. <laughs> huh. I did not notice. Even when you look at the credits, it says, Dad... Godmother, priest, flea bag. <laughs> um, so they're all. What is it? It's a dysfunctional family thing, I guess. Dysfunctional um, family, and it's more um, like. It's sort of following her day to day adventures, but it's also a really kind of sneaky window into her unaddressed depression and PTSD and general distress. Mm. And she just she doesn't really address those things in a healthy way, especially in season one. Um, she's very self-sabotage-y, and in season two, we see her try to be better. And so tell me about the fourth war breaking. She sort of talks to the camera a lot, mid-conversation, mid-scene, very regularly. Yeah, so um, there's so much to even just talk about this. So there, there's two screenwriting techniques that have been used throughout season one and two. So season one has fourth wall breaking, um, you know, very Ferris Bueller style, stopping in the middle of whatever she's doing, talking to the camera, talking to the audience. Um, they also use flashbacks a lot as well. And flashbacks are tricky because they are often overused and aren't used very well. They can, they're can they very lazy a lot of the time. But this has been done in such a way where it gives you like little snippets of her backstory and why she is the way she is. But on top of that, they're done in a way, and they come up in a way that is really kind of reminiscent of her PTSD and depression that she's experiencing. Um, so it's always sort of triggered by something. Uh, and that's what's so interesting because something triggers her. She has this sort of flashback and you see it and you see a little bit window of this and that, and they sort of slowly join together with the main plot in the first season. Now, they don't use flashbacks as much in um, the second season. But, yeah, very, very interesting to how um, Waller Bridge has really used that technique. And then she, she does use a flashback in the second season only to throw back to um, her mother's funeral. That's not a spoiler. It's in, like, episode one. Um, and that's done in a really different way because it's a really long flashback. So it's like, okay, is this showing that she's more well-adjusted? What is this? Are we getting a deeper insight here? So they've really used the writing in a brilliant way. So when I watched it, I watched it, I'm like, okay, this show is really good. I like it. Is it Emmy worthy? I'm like, well, because if I compare this to, say, um, Mother's Mrs. Maisel, which is just so quick and so polished and so amazing, um, it's hard to compare the two kinds of shows, really. But I would sort of, on on the offhanded comment, I would say, Maisel's more worthy of an Emmy. But then when I really sit and think about the depth of the writing in Fleabag. I'm like, okay, 
I see. This is um, this is some pretty good shit. So before we go that deep, sorry, <laughs> just to keep just, us on track. The more I think about, it, the more I'm like, this is really brilliant. So Fleabags, as she will now be known, so she's yes. the black sheep of her family. She's got a yes. successful sister. Um, seemingly successful seemingly sister. successful sister also and she gone. visits with her dad who's now moved on with um, what were the girl's former godmother I guess yeah yeah and she's the black sheep everyone gives her a hard time everyone assumes she's gonna screw up and for most of the time she does and it's all especially status, in the first season yeah all the status quo but like I forgot to write notes for this show I wrote one and mm. it, I wrote I hate everyone <laughs> Every character in this show is so flawed and awful. So Fleabag's awful. Um, lovingly awful, but awful. Mm. Her sister's awful. Her dad's needs help. Like, And the stepmom trope lady Oof. is the awfulest. Very like, teeth-ready. Super yeah. passive-aggressive, English-polite. Don't forget the brother-in-law. Who's the brother? Oh, yeah, I forgot about the brother-in-law. Um... And just everyone in this show sucks. And I've, I don't know if I mentioned this on air, but I'm having a real thing where I've got to stop watching shows where everyone is awful. Yeah. <laughs> I, I need heroes to root for. So you follow Fleabag's adventures and... Oh, T, the dog, wants to weigh in. Um, and with Fleabag narrating, you're sort of taking her at her word. And as the season goes on, you sort of start seeing behind the curtain that mm. you're not a reliable narrator. You're talking as if this is your mind and everything's fine when you start realizing she's suppressing real issues. Yeah, big time. She's like falling to pieces and acting out and doing all sorts. And it was a good journey watching the first season that you you mm. go, oh yeah, this is fun. What a quirky person. She's the black sheep, but she's lovable. And then as you go on, you're like, oh, I don't know if I believe her. And I'm um, starting and you start to piece together the sort of the plot and you realize you're yeah. crazy and awful and you should hate yourself which she obliges and does and so it was a real journey from that perspective for the first season yeah it was um especially because she is acting out a lot more in the first season one she's sort of acutely going through all this stuff uh all the ptsd type sorts of things that's that's going on there and sort of living with the repercussions of her actions, but never really addressing them. Mm. Uh, and that's what's interesting. And there's even like a scene in the second season where she goes to therapy and she just sort of treats everything like a joke and still isn't really, still isn't really owning and addressing her shit properly. Um, there was a, a real dichotomy with the two seasons. The one, she was yeah. just a lovable fuck up, fucking up. And the second one, she's like, I'm going to be good. I'm realizing I'm fucking up. But all that meant was that her screw ups took longer and were on a larger scale. Yeah, they gave a real, <laughs> real juicy apple for her to bite into, and she's like, oh. Um, so, very interesting show. Um, but I'd rate it. I quite liked it. It can, it didn't get heavy, even though the topic matter is quite heavy, so I'd still count it as sort of a lightish watch. One or two. I'd call it a lightish not, watch. Oh, it's not heavy, given the topic matters. Um, but I quite enjoyed it. Um, I would say that it's not weighty. No. Like, you don't feel heavier after watching it, but, yeah, I don't know. So you rate it? Yeah. Very good. And I also want to talk about how good the supporting cast is. Like, they're all so good at being terrible people. Yeah. And we've got um, Andrew Scott in the second season, who you may know uh, as Moriarty from Sherlock. Yeah. Um, we also have Olivia Coleman, uh, Bill Patterson, and Brett Gelman, or Gelman, 
um, who's the only American in the show who you probably see in everything, most recently in Stranger Things Part 3. Oh, yeah. I was going to say, he's in um, You're the Worst. He's also in where the he's Worst. He's also one of the worst. He's very good at playing a terrible, <laughs> terrible person. Especially because he's big, Amer- like, big personality American-wise around polite British people. Yeah. <laughs> it just makes it so much bigger. And it, and it played really well, so... Um, Oh, God, he's disgusting. Uh, <laughs> and so, yeah, he did an amazing job. Um, just fantastic supporting cast, really. Uh, what I did really like about um, Phoebe Waller-Bridge's performance is just her timing is spectacular. And I talked a bit about this, I think, maybe during Emmys or afterwards. Anyway, uh, sometime I talked about it. Um, just her the way that she balances breaking the fourth wall and talking to the audience and then playing back into the scene in just the, how the timing works is just spectacular. Uh, a real highlight of the show, um, I felt. Um, now, if you have seen season two and you're, you got some questions, <laughs> what do people do after, after season two? Uh, this doesn't really give much away, but I read a really interesting article um, on Vulture by Ellen O'Connell. So if you are curious about the fox... Um, there are some cool theories floating around out there, and I highly suggest reading this article. So if you just Google... Is this just because you love foxes? No, but <laughs> look, it doesn't hurt. It was just such a interesting choice, and it could mean so many things. Um, so if you have a Google for what does Fleabag Fox mean by Ellen O'Connell on Vulture, um, that'll pop up, so it's well worth a read if you want to dig a little bit more and really pull this apart. Yeah, I took it as very, like, I took everything at face value and, ah, oh, yeah, and then you came up all excited with all these, mm. oh, there's all these deep dives and theories. I'm like, I didn't even think to analyze this show in this way, well, but this you can I mean. if like, you want to. <laughs> this is what's so great about it is that it's a it's a superficially and enjoyable funny watch. Um, but the more I sat and thought, cause I was like, oh yeah, that was pretty good. But the more I sat and thought about it and the more I had a bit of a read, I was like, you know what? This show is actually really brilliant. <laughs> and there's a lot of great, um, thematic stuff going on here. The writing is spectacular. The performances are great. Um, big fan, big fan. So, so definitely. You, you definitely give it a watch? Yeah, yeah. Watch Fleabag. Has it been renewed for a third season? Uh, well that's currently in debate. So some articles say that, um, Phoebe Waller-Bridge is is not doing that. Ooh. Uh, thus the that ending. <laughs> um, but then she has also said she may be open to a possibility of a third. Right. So, so maybe two-parter. She likes to really go for the whole lightning in a bottle. And if you're wondering what she's up to now, she's currently doing the rewrite of the next Bond film. So, huh. hmm. Which is the only thing that's gotten me interested in a Bond film <laughs> in over a decade. <laughs> well, hold on. So it was a good one, a bad one, a good one, a bad one. What are we even up to? I think we're up to a good one. So mm. that's probably Daniel Craig's last. But anyway, that's a topic for another day. Indeed. Um, good. So two thumbs up from MNT. Um, next, we want to talk about The Boys. The Boys. So we'll dive straight in. Um, the Boys is on, is it Amazon Prime? Amazon Prime. Amazon. Oh, just before we do get into that, sorry, I just want to mention uh, for Philly Bag, if you want to catch it, um, it is on ABC iView and also Amazon Prime. Back to the boys. <laughs> the boys. Now, this came out last week? Uh, two weeks ago. Yeah. Recently dropped. It's a dark superhero sort of comedy thing. <laughs> uh, but it's based off a comic book by Garth Ennis mm-hmm. and has been adapted to TV by Eric Kripke. Um, and Friends. And co. Produced also- by Goldberg, Rogan, and Weaver? 
Yeah, uh, yep, and I think there's maybe one or two more. I did do a whole thing talking about doing, doing a bit of a fact check on it <laughs> last episode. I was wrong. Um, I was right the first time. Seth Rogen is, in fact, involved in this project. He's a producer. So, <laughs> but what happens when I fact check my own fact check? We'll, we'll keep the details Bye. light so you don't get caught in holes. <laughs> All right, so you might be rolling your eyes, another superhero show, mm-hmm. whatever. Be but let's, let's paint... Let's paint this particular superhero world. Mm -hmm. So superheroes are around and they are loved and they do their superhero things. But they're all controlled by Vought International, like a big company. And their primary directive, rather than saving the world, is to make money. Consumerism, baby. So think of it as if Disney... If superheroes were real, big focus on the yeah. monetization and commercialization, and this pervades the whole show. So you, all the way through the show, you're seeing advertising um, of products these superheroes are pushing. There's PR appearances. PR appearances. There's movies, and the focus is very much on the money rather than saving people. Glorious consumeristic corporate America, my friends. Yeah. So they're all all these glossy superheroes. Um, I would say it's mostly. They're all the superheroes are made up superheroes, largely based off the DC Justice League kind of vibe. Yeah. There's your Superman, your Batman, your Wonder Woman, uh, I Flash. Seen any of those? Hmm? Where was the Batman? Noir. He's Batman. You reckon he's more Batman-y? It's the Justice League. I guess it makes sense. But just like a dark Justice it League. Looked, I thought it was meant to be more like Black Panther because it was called Black Noir and looked like a cat. But there was another one. That, anyway. Yeah. Whatever. So there's all these superheroes based on... A, there's also, in the comic books, a web-slinger. So there's a mm. Spider-Man thing. So it's not... It's exclusively DC. Not exclusively off. DC. But <laughs> imagine the Justice League, if Justice League was owned by Disney. And that's where you are. Well, I think that's just called Marvel. <laughs> right. So we have this group uh, behind the scenes. They're all quite super corrupt and total assholes. Mm-hmm. And then on the other side of it, we have a gent called Billy Butcher... Played by the guy who plays Bones McCoy from Star Trek. I didn't did get you it. write down his name? I only wrote character names. You're cause... so bad at this. No, I did this on purpose. <laughs> okay. Go on. Um, Bones McCoy. Mm-hmm. Actually, what's his real name? I don't uh, know. Uh-huh. Uh, it's I'm no better. Actually, no, that's not true. I wrote it's down Carl name. Urban. Okay. Anyway, and he hates superheroes for reasons the show makes apparent. And he has a group of ragtag... I don't know, what are they, mercenaries? Little Boys. The boys, <laughs> whose sole mission is to take down superheroes. Mm-hmm. And there's a whole political world of all of this. Um, show's based around two perspectives of two new members to each group. Mm-hmm. So we have Starlight, who's the newest member of The Seven, or the Justice League. Very uh, do-gooder, middle America, superhero, wide-eyed, coming into Vought. And Huey, who's joined the boys, because he has recently acquired beef with superheroes, which mm-hmm. I probably won't spoil, because this moment was um, pretty fucking traumatic in the show. Yeah. I mean, it's in the trailer, but yeah. <laughs> and then this big game of cat and mouse between these two groups, and this is basically the premise of the show. Um, it's bananas. It's quite uh, violent. It's quite... <laughs> <laughs> Not as bad as a comic book, I'm told, but... Oh, dude. Um, a friend of mine told me to research why Mother's Milk's name is Mother's Milk. Regret. Don't do it. Have you heard about Billy the Butcher's pet dog? I know of it, but I don't know much about it. Can yeah, apparently it appears in season two, the rumours say. So, um... Oh, okay. I was reading a Ask Me Anything on Reddit with the creator, and he's like, well, I can't put 
everything of a hundred comic book run into a tight show. So the acting in this, there's people I recognize from all over the place. There mm-hmm. was um, Homelander, which is their version of Superman. He's the big boss. It's like Superman meets Captain America. Yeah, he's like the big um, leader, hero, perfect guy. It's played, played by um, Anthony... Anthony Starr. Anthony Starr, who is Lucas Hood. Lucas Hood! From Banshee, who we refer to as Banshee, and everything he does is Bansheeing. Yeah, Banshee's all over Banshee. That motherfucking Banshee. There was Nate from Gossip Girl, who plays the Deep, the most complex, or maybe least complex, character on the show. And <sighs> special shout-out to Elizabeth Shue, um, who I had to check if she won the Oscar. So she was opposite Nick Cage in Leaving Las Vegas. Okay. And she got nominated, but didn't win the Oscar. But she won a pile of awards for leaving Las Vegas. Anyway, so she's the one of the bosses of this Void Corporation, and they're just channeling this Oedipus complex thing. I don't know. It's crazy. Um, it's very weird. So that's the setup. Em, what do you think of the boys? Tell me about it. What did you like? Oh, my God. What did I not like? Um, well, actually, I can, there's a long list of that, too. Uh, <laughs> um, so love the team behind it. Um Straight off the bat, I also just want to say um, how excited Eric Kripke must be to be able to really let loose on the horror. Uh, if you don't know, Kripke does um, Supernatural from start to finish. So, uh, But being on CW has got to be a little reserved on the violence. And it's nice to see him be able to take it to 11. <laughs> and take it to 11, he does. Um, I really enjoyed the real consumerism culture around superheroes in this world. I thought it was brilliant um, and so realistic. Like, you would so buy into the fact that if superheroes were real, this would 100% be happening. Yeah, there was the one of the plot lines is... Um, and they've all got, like, scripted thank you speeches, and it's just hilarious. They have a A-Train, who's their version of the Flash racing Shockwave, who is <laughs> to see who's still the fastest man alive. And there's just shoe ads everywhere. Yes, it is so good. <laughs> it's like... Wear the same Nikes that the Flash wears. It was it was crazy. It was so weird. So I really loved that about it, um, and I'm just so fascinated by that kind of world. And, and I really liked that spin on it because I haven't really seen that before in superhero movies, and it just made it so different and more fun. The only thing I can really compare it to is that uh, was it Powerless or Unpowered or Unpowered? What the show uh, that had Abed in it. Yep. Only last <laughs> season, which is a shame because it was just like a fun feet and then it got cancelled. Um, but that's the only other time where I've seen like civilians around in the world of superheroes. Not that there's many civilians in the boys, but you know what I mean. Looking at that other kind of culture and that there's other external companies behind stuff that superheroes do. Um, so that was really interesting to me. Um, again, I really liked the faux Disney and uh, Disney, ah, uh, well, same difference. Marvel and DC characters, and sort of picking out like, okay, so this is a little bit this person, a little bit that person. Um, great show, loved the twist at the end and and in the story. Um, but overall, the ending had a bit of an anticlimax to it. I felt yeah, they were building up for a big action set piece, which mm. I have no idea what it would have been. You got supers versus humans, and all through it, we've seen the supers are untouchable. Yeah, so I don't know what I was expecting, but um, it sort of there was a climactic conversation, a twist, and it ended. And I feel mm. everything had been simmering to get to this point, and then sort of ended with a 
thump, and we'll have to wait yeah. a year to see it. No. Yeah. They but... have already started filming for season two, though, so mm. that's exciting. Um, and well, they did a great job of So it starts off like, these guys, they look good, but they're bad, and these guys are the ragtag group that's going to do it. And that's how the show's framed, but... As you go along, you get dig deeper and deeper into these characters. Mm. You hear about the sort of the origins of some of the characters, why they think the way they do, why the supers act the way they do, um, how they got absorbed by the corporate machine and stuff. Yeah. Some of them who were used to care and now they don't. Some were just psychopaths all along. And even, you know, of all the people who are the most intense and worrisome, the good guys, uh, some of them are, you're like, nah, that's the one to watch. Some of them are not great people. Billy Butcher is probably the bad guy. Yeah, (laughs) but I don't know who. That's crazy. I'm not sure who I'm really meant to hate in this show, Uh, which which is interesting, especially once you do sort of look into a bit of the comic story, like, Billy Butcher is fucked. (laughs) That so guy the, shouldn't be. <laughs> so the leader of the goodies is also an intense, crazy person. And yeah. So my impression of the comics is just that everyone is awful, but not <laughs> in that you love to hate them way, in that everyone seriously needs psychological help kind of way and should all be locked up. Yeah. So we're all waiting for Homelander and Billy Butcher to just annihilate each other dun, somehow. Dun, dun. Um, what was weird is that because the, 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 the Justice League or the Seven, um, the, the only one that doesn't really get any screen time is Black Noir, and I don't know... That was played as a great joke, though. Like, you're doing a great job, Noir. Like, you all need to do better. Except for you, Noir. You're doing a great job. And then he just plays piano. It was yeah, so fantastic. There's, I think he had a whole two and a half scenes, and there's... What is interesting about that is, firstly, what you just said, in that they go, you're doing great. Continue. Um, the other thing, too, is I don't know if that's also, like, a bit of a... Um, kind of tongue-in-cheek play at, you know, like, black heroes get less time and they're sort of doing that on purpose to sort of play into that. Alternatively, I... But A-Train's I, black, so it can't, oh, that's it can't true. be yeah, that. Good yeah. point, good point. Um, alternatively, the other thing is I think they may be saving something for Season 2 that I know about in the comics, which they couldn't really reveal in Season 1. If you know the comics, probably what I'm talking about, uh, but I won't say anything else. So I know if maybe that's going to be a thing that comes out, and I kind of hope so because it's going to be fucked up. And I was, by the end of it, at a real soft spot, despite him also being awful, for The Deep, their version of Aquaman. And he starts off, he does some awful things, and um, we won't go into it, but, Mm. you know, he gets exiled, and he gets picked on all along because he's Aquaman. You know, he's useless. He's like a punchline. And they really leaned into that. And then they, they for some reason, he just got scenes every episode of him in exile doing <laughs> things other in his life elsewhere. And they're sort of, some of it was quite dark. Some of it was played for comedy gags. And it was just the most surreal part of every episode was when you check in with what Nate yeah. from Gossip Girls up to. <laughs> and it was such... I don't know if that was by the plan. The guy, um, Eric Kripke, who um, was on Reddit talking about it, he's like, this was really weird when we do these scenes of the deep. And it's just the guy was so charming that all the scenes came out kind of that way. <laughs> and we just loved it so much. And I don't I know, it's such a weird character. Maybe that's why they had to have him start off with something awful, so that when you saw this funny and also kind of dark stuff happening to him later, you go, I'm okay with that because <laughs> you're fucked up and I hate you. Um, so I felt pretty good about laughing at that. Whereas otherwise, if he hadn't done that awful thing, then you'd maybe be like, oh, I feel sorry for him. Everyone keeps picking on him. Um, I feel bad for his friend. But otherwise... <laughs> I've never screamed so loud on TV. Yeah, such a visceral reaction to that. 
No, that should have been. This <laughs> wasn't meant to happen. Ah, oh, such a... Uh, so weird. Oh. But, um, yeah, so I recommend it quite highly. I really yeah. enjoyed it. It's And I really rolled my eyes going in because after the run recently, I'm like, you know, Umbrella Academy, Titans, mm-hmm. um, Doom Patrol. I'm like, I hate this. But this is better than all of them. Um, so, big fan. Thumbs up from me. Thumbs up from you. I also really enjoyed it. Um, and also, I just want to give a bit of a shout out to Anthony Starr, a.k.a. Lucas Hood, a.k.a. Lucas Hood. <laughs> Remember, that wasn't actually his name. Banshee. Um, yeah, Banshee. Because um, he did, a, like, honestly, a stellar job. Um, and it, once I realized it was Banshee, um, it was really bizarre sort of seeing Lucas Hood because uh, you're like, oh, what happened to him after Banshee? Oh, that's right. He scrubbed up, became an evil superhero for corporate America. No one else cared what Banshee was doing after Banshee. <laughs> Only we cared about what Banshee was doing after he was done Bansheeing everyone in Banshee. And now we know what he did. <laughs> if you're hearing the word Banshee love, it's on purpose. Go watch that show. It is psychotic. It is extremely violent. I will say that. And extremely devastating in some moments. Anyway, that's the story from the time. We should do a whole thing on that. On Banshee? Yeah, why not? Where we stick to using every noun, verb, and adjective as Banshee. Yeah, if you And drink... people would know what we were talking about. Oh, yeah. Remember when Glasses sense. Banshee fought Lady Banshee at the car Banshee, and there was the hood ornament Banshee, and she got Banshee'd in the Banshee? That was terrible. Yep. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> anyway, Banshee's Another great. day. Um, and one note that I will just say that we can expect in Season 2 that I am so excited about is... Um, Aya Cash is joining the crew as a super-powered neo-Nazi called Stormfront. Um, now, if that's not enough to sell, you're not sure who Aya Cash is. She is Gretchen from You're the Worst. I wonder if they're going to... Because I've only seen her in that role where she's a red-hot mess. So <laughs> you're seeing her as a superhero. She could probably still be a red-hot mess. It'd be fine. Well, she's got... She can really stare daggers, so I think it's going to be yeah. interesting. <laughs> She'll be death stare. Hell yeah. It's going to be great. All right. So thumbs up from you. Thumbs, thumbs up, up from, from me. me. We're liking everything today. Let's um, hate on something. Yeah. Well, I don't know about that. Right. After the break, we will chat movies. Movies. Welcome back. M, you got a movie for me? What'd you watch? I do. Um, I watched Alex Strangelove. Um, now this is a standard teen flick. Um, but it's a bit different to most in that it is about a high school boy trying to figure out his sexuality. Um, it's also produced by Ben Stiller. Oh, I forgot to write down who stars in it, which is uh, bad M, bad. Um, great movie. I went in kind of having lowish expectations, but I was like, you know what? Queer movies are always fun. I think it's always great to see a bit of diversity out there. I'll give this a go. And it was really good. Like, it was really charming. It was funny. It was... Um, like a really accurate portrayal of what someone must be going through when they're starting to come to terms with the fact like, holy shit, I don't like who I'm supposed to like and kind of dealing with that. Um, so it felt very true and very honest. Um, there was no stereotypes in this either, which was really awesome to see because a lot of the time, well, not so much these days, but you know, historically, whenever there'd be a gay character in a movie, it's all very flamboyant and OTT. Um, so no stereotypes is just a, a nice kid trying to figure himself out and not hurt anyone and try to work out what is going on in his little heart. So where did um, you watch this? Netflix? It's on Netflix. It's a Netflix original film. So it's superbly well done. Uh, the representation is huge here. Like I've never seen a teen movie like it before. 
Um, and one thing that really, this is what broke me by the end of it is, um, during the credits, there's all these like YouTube videos of, um, teenagers coming out and like they're coming out stories and it was just, oh, it made me cry so much. <laughs> it was so beautiful. Um, so a really, really nice, sweet movie. I really recommend it. Alex Strangelove. Get onto that. Sounds good. Yeah, it was really nice. Does it, were you, um, is it like a genre now you're watching after Queer Eye? No. Like all these, all the sad stories and coming out stories and personal mm. journey stories. Oh, I just like those stories. Yeah. They're nice. Yeah. All right. That's cool. all. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Um, Next week. Finally. Where are we? Oh, John yeah. John Wick 3. John Wick Cerebellum. Chapter 3. <laughs> Perennium. Perennium. It's actually parabellum. Oh. Um, I'll never remember that word. What does that word mean? Actually, we did find we out. We did find out. It's Latin for war for peace. peace John Wick war. Chapter 3. Parabens. <laughs> no parabens. Um, third entry into the jo- John Wick universe. John Wick Chapter 3. Parable. And stop. <laughs> I'll talk about the origins of John Wick and things you won't oh, talk okay. about. Okay, none of that. There's a puppy in the room. The the puppy is in the room. She's causing a ruckus. I think Always. she's hungry. We'll, we'll talk about puppy goals for her when we get to some action <laughs> sequences later. Um, the third entry into the John Wick franchise, which kicked off because someone was mean to a puppy. Mm-hmm. Um, director Chad Stileski's back, who is originally came from um, stunt work. Mm-hmm. And thought, I can channel this into some kick-ass action. Sure. Three movies, it seems it's the case. Keanu Reeves is back, reprising his role mm-hmm. at 50-something years old as John Wick. <laughs> we have Halle Berry, we have Lawrence Fishburne, we've got Zooks, Jason Manazoukas. Mm-hmm. And, oh, I didn't... What's Old God's name? I don't know. American God's American Man. God's Man. Yeah. I should know his name. So, this franchise is all about the action choreography mm-hmm. um boy howdy is it <laughs> an awful lot of um grappling disarms wrestling a lot of gunplay and where this became amazing is the detail mm-hmm. so you watch an action movie there's bullets flying their pistols have a hundred bullets every bullet is accounted for you watch them reload they reload every time and shooting someone doesn't kill someone. Shooting them in the head kills someone. Mm-hmm. And they obey the double tap rule quite bam, bam. thoroughly. So you get some guy in the ground, you shoot him in the head to make sure he's dead. And just this mm-hmm. attention to detail makes real visceral, crazy action sequences. It's very interesting. And the only thing I can really compare that kind of thing to is those amazing fight scenes, particularly in hallways in Daredevil, where the people kind of stumble around and it's all like single shot and they get back up and they just sort of keep fighting and fighting and fighting. And it, and it really reminded me of that. Um, I assume all John Wick movies are like this. Um, it got, it's gotten bigger and bigger. Okay. Because uh, this is my, yeah, so, for listeners, this is my first John Wick movie. Claire refused to watch the first one. <laughs> Welcome to the franchise. What's your thoughts on, basically, tell me if you like the action scenes. Tell me about them. I did like the action scenes. I don't know about the name, um, although it did ripe itself for some great comedy. I do think it should be called John Wick and the Very Bad No Good Day. Because um, he was just having a rough old time for right. you know, so, 90% of this film. <laughs> so at the end of 2, he was being exiled by the Assassin's... Yeah, number two. for two. Right. <laughs> he was being exiled by the Assassin's League and he gets an hour head start and hits the road in New York. And in one hour, he's going to get a 40 mil bounty on his head 
and every assassin in town. We've got a smoke and aces situation, and everyone's going to come after John Wick. Mm-hmm. Um, it was very interesting seeing a like the coming in first to a third installment of a movie, like because this movie started and was just bam off straight away, and I was like, okay, what well, was <laughs> no minute, fucking around? It was minute for minute directly after. Yeah, it was, two. It was, there was very no, interesting. No time passed. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, Great wow, what can you say? The action scenes are crazy. They have a very high glass budget. <laughs> oh, my God. Wow. So, there's a scene where, for whatever reason, they're in, like, someone's office, but for some reason there's a lot of glass displays. It's like it, a museum or and something. And I think they were all identical. And he's beating up some um, sort of martial arts guys, or they're beating him up, and they just periodically throw him over and over again into different glass cases. So Keanu Reeves through a glass case. They fight, he gets back up. They then throw him through the next one. It's crazy. And it was crazy. And they did it for like eight glass cases. I'm like, So many. Was it just like trash day? And they went, <laughs> oh, take that over to the John Wick set. <laughs> like, we'll just destroy it by throwing Keanu Reeves stunt double through it. If I had a drink every time he got smashed through one of those glass cases, I would be dead. <laughs> you would have had like 12 drinks. It was crazy. It was a lot. Um, so... Tell me, what do you think your first taste of um, John Wick violence? Yeah, well, um, uh, look, I liked a lot of it. Some of it I could have done without. Um, bit gross. Um, but like I said, love the Daredevil-esque style fighting in this. I'm a really big fan of that kind of... Um, doesn't have to be single shot, preferably. Uh, <laughs> that, that very realistic fighting of people getting back up over and over again until they're actually dead. Um, so really enjoyed that. Uh, what I did get really on board on is the weird shit John uses to kill people that was, with. That was he my next segment. smashed someone in the face with a book in a library. And I'm sitting there being like, ain't no one telling John Wick to shush in here. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. Um, and it got me thinking. I'm like, I'm going to make a card game, which is some kind of mix of um, Cards Against Humanity and Cluedo. And so you get to pick the setting. John Wick. There's John Wick, and you've got to library pick what, what tool he uses. With a book. <laughs> John Wick in a stable with a horse. <laughs> yeah, well, no, it's got to be something weird, like, you know... Yeah, i got nothing. Um, but, yeah, so, for example, the library one. Because I'm like, that is absurd. So we could have John Wick in the study with a globe. You know, like, <laughs> there were so many weird things that you could be like, okay, I could see how this would make a fun game. So... I don't know. If I get bored enough, I might actually make it and put a PDF <laughs> up and people can play John Wicked. <laughs> John Wicked. So he was my top four Or in weapons. the hallway with the candle wick. Uh, so at number four, I had the tomahawk where uh-huh. he just randomly found and just threw it. The first scene or the second scene is in like an old timey weapons museum. Yeah, I posted a gif of that. <laughs> and they just I... keep pulling right. shit out of cabinets and throwing it at each yeah, other. It was, it was such a, it was like a knife throwing fight. It was amazing. <laughs> there was the horse. Yeah. <laughs> the, oh yeah, that's right. The horse gun. We just tapped the horse and the Pam. horse would like, oh, it was delightful. Um, the bulletproof dogs. Yeah. They're these little <laughs> attack dogs, very well trained by Halle Berry who wear little bulletproof jackets and zip that's around. So and so they would just jump at a guy and knock him down. And Halle Berry would just walk up and coup de gras. Shot mm-hmm. to the head and move on. And There are dogs in this movie. They do not die. There is a point where you think they might. They are fine. The dogs are fine. They're they wearing get vengeance vests. pretty hard. Yeah. And the number one. So much you... gro- groin biting. 
by the dogs. Oh, oh my god. So much. Dicks took a beating in this movie. Like, John Wick, the reason he's so good is because he has no honour and will just kick everyone in the dick. He does it all the time. I love that. It was like, Go for the balls, John Wick. Go for the balls. The ball punch count was insane. Uh. He did it all the time. And the dogs were doing it and everyone was like, weak spots the dick. And it's like, no one else knows this. Ooh, we can add that in our card deck so we can have body part. <laughs> so we've got... Item. We've got location, and we've got body parts. So Horse John Wick uses er in the er room, right in the er. <laughs> yeah, I'm making it. It's going to be amazing. <laughs> and as you mentioned, number one was the book. He kills a guy with a, yeah. a thickish book, oh. and it got really practical in the end. <laughs> like sit still while I do this with a book and kill you. Yeah. Oh, it was very good. You know what it's like? It's, it would have been amazing if you ran into the room with the book going, Britannica! And then beat him with Gattaca style. But Britannica. Yeah, uh, Kids, that's a joke for people who do, didn't have the internet way back in our day. Thank you for explaining that joke, Em. What's the You're origins welcome. of yelling Gattaca when you attack stuff? I don't know. I just know it from the list. I know I've done it. <laughs> it's got nothing to do with the actual movie Gattaca. I know. I watched Gattaca and thought it was about people charging at things and attacking them. But that, Based no. on what we saw from Jason Mantazakis doing it in the league. Yeah. Maybe if he fight. did it. He did do it. That's, that's where we got it from. Yeah. Anyway. That's our. I, I yelled that when I was bungee jumping. That's our four-minute explanation about yes. Britannica joke. Next week, a twelve-minute explanation on the cowbell <laughs> joke from. Um, anyway, um, very good. It didn't end. We're going for number four, and I mean, great. It'll it, it'll be fun. I think they need to start expanding the universe a bit. That's allegedly the last one, isn't it? I don't know. Yeah, I thought three was the last one, but mm. I was wrong. Um, they need to do what they did in um, Fast and Furious and start radically expanding the universe and making it sort of, you know, its own mm. thing. Well, aren't they doing that with... Because um, there's going to be the Netflix show, right? Right. I don't know if it's a Netflix show, but they are yeah. making a TV show on the Oriental Hotel, which is the spy sanctuary thing, mm-hmm. um, which features prominently in this movie as well as in two. And that um, that should be interesting. Spy politics. <laughs> Yeah. I don't know. But overall, if you want some excellent gunplay, like, we we watched this, like, we watched this together, and it was like, ooh, ah, ooh, and, like, we'd break into rounds of applause in some scenes when just stuff went crazy. You're so, so um, it's a bit of an ordeal to sit through, but a really fun one. So, big thumbs up for me. And if you're not on John Wick, doggo warning at the start of one, but then it's all just gravy and murder. Indeed, indeed. Now, there, are, there is also a John Wick game, John Wick Parables, I think it's called, oh, okay. or something. I don't really know anything about it, so I'm going to look into that a bit more and report back. That's my plan. Okay. Yeah. So, thumbs up from me, thumbs up from M. Thumbs up from me, I think. And, and this is a big deal. M's not an action No, well, it's not that person. I don't like action. I don't like stupid action, like fucking You're the Fast only person... I love You Deadpool. haven't seen a Fast and the Furious, though, have you? I've seen at least three of them, you and should, that's four too many. You should watch five or no. six with me. It's life-changing. Pass. You're the one who wanted Return of the King to be shorter. No, okay, look, here's my <laughs> problem with that. I love a gratuitous battle, but if I have to just watch people hacking at each other for a solid 50 minutes, I'm out. Like, there's only so long my attention span can be. That's all. That's all I have to say about that. You've just alienated half our fran- half our fans. No, no, like I will. I 
I will watch every director's Lord cut. Lord of the Rings three, three could have gone for nine hours, and it probably did in some cuts. And I would watch it. It'd be fine if there was stuff happening in the battle in between, like how they did in Thrones. Like that battle went for a long time, but you followed individual characters doing stuff and saying stuff and hiding and doing things. Return of the King was just ah, stab, ah, stab for like no, literally fifteen minutes. I don't think a lot happened during that. Anyway, I don't think it did. <laughs> I haven't watched it in a few years, but now I want to go check. Oh man, if I have to sit through it again. Alright, that wraps us today. It does. Now just before we go, uh oh. One last little John Wick point I've got. Oh. <laughs> um now a lot of people have said to me, Hey M, did you know that your dad looks like John Wick? <laughs> like a lot. And I don't mean one or two, I mean like at least nine or ten people have said this to me. So I'm gonna put it to you fans. I'm gonna put a picture of my dad. And John Wick on Twitter. And you tell me if he looks like him or not. I think he, he kind of does. He totes does. Yeah, he does. He, he even dyes his hair black now. He, he looks like... Well, he did that before the John Wick movies came out. <laughs> That's true. He did it first. <laughs> yeah. So, if anything, Keanu's copied my dad. <laughs> so, I'll post the picture and you tell me at goodpop underscore badpop. Stay tuned for that. And what superhero or character does your dad look like? <laughs> Tweet at us. Who, who's in your family? What famous <laughs> characters are in your family? Let us know. At goodpop underscore badpop on Twitter, or you can find us on Instagram at goodpopbadpoppodcast, and also on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash goodpopbadpoppodcast. Thank you for listening. Remember to rate, comment, and subscribe, and we will see you next week. Thank you very much, listeners.